Uh, well, good morning, everyone. It is good to be back uh, from Colorado, where I went to. I, I was hoping to get to see all these beautiful yellow aspen, um, and I found out I was about a week too late. Uh, like one out of ten still had leaves on it, uh, but it was still it was still pretty. It's always good to be back with you guys. I know Pastor Dude does a great job, so I never worry. Um, but today, today we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. I don't know how many of you how many of you have ever done a fast. Um, and, and if you did a fast, did you do it for diet reasons or did you do it for spiritual reasons? And I think about that. Most of the people I run into these days, when they do a fast, they do it for diet reasons, right? I, I'll intermittently fast so often. Um, usually the other reason people fast is they have a colonoscopy coming up. Um, is that inappropriate for church? Make sure you get your colonoscopy. It's good for your health. There we go. We'll make it a public service message. Do, 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 do. All right. Um, but seriously, most of the people aren't into fast. They aren't doing it as a spiritual practice. Uh, and admittedly, a lot of us don't do those kind of spiritual disciplines like that. I think most of us are just happy to squeeze in prayer during our day. I know for most of us, our closest encounter with God is the intersection of Ina and Silverbell. Right? <laughs> and, uh, but... You know, fasting, fasting was a big deal in the Bible. And it goes all the way through, all, all the way through New Testament. And it seems like fasting was done a lot, and yet it's also criticized a lot in the Bible. Not, not the practice itself, but how people did it. What they did while they were doing it. Um, and fasting in the Bible seemed it was primarily something that was done by the rich. Um, and the reason for fasting, I think, got kind of missed. It definitely got missed. Even the prophets talked about how people missed the point. The point of fasting originally was not to make yourself more holy than others or lift yourself up to be better or see, look at how much more self-control I have than everybody else. The point of fasting originally was to help those who had a lot to learn to be grateful and to learn to have a little bit of a sense of how the other half lives. Or in Bible times, it's more like the other 98% lived. Because, you see, fasting for poor people, especially in biblical times, even today, fasting wasn't a spiritual discipline. It was called ordinary life. And it happened to you all the time without choosing. Fasting wasn't a spiritual practice. It was oh, yeah, there's a drought and there's not enough food, or we, I didn't get paid this week, so we don't have, we, we're, we're going to have to go, we're going to have to ration the food, eat every other day. That was how the poor lived all the time. So God would say, I want you guys to fast. Well, if you're poor, it's easy, you're already doing that. But it helped the wealthy to understand how everyone else lived. That was the point, Right? It's the same reason as the whole meat on Friday rule, right? That, you know, launched a million sort of Protestant Catholic jokes. You know, and the Catholic Church said you weren't supposed to eat meat on Friday. The reason for that was not to support the fishing industry. The reason for that was the exact same thing as fasting. Because if you were, if you were poor, you didn't have a lot of livestock. You didn't have a lot of cows and sheep and goats. And you needed them for wool and for milk that would be produced on an ongoing basis. To kill one of your cows or one of your sheep or your goats, that was cutting off future calories, right? And so if you had to be wealthy enough that you could kill it and still have leftover food, 
That's so, so most of the poor, they, they were vegetarian. Not to be trendy, they were vegetarian because they didn't have the money to not be. And so the Catholic Church said, way before the Reformation, why don't you guys not eat meat on Friday so then at least one day out of the week you have a sense of how everyone else is living, right? So you can maybe learn to be a little bit grateful. Um, but when you, when you fast, when you fast, yeah, think about this. What goes through your mind when you're fasting? Don't think about yourself. What goes through your mind when you fast? Um, what's the one thing that you think about all the time when you're fasting? What's the one thing you think about all, every minute of the day when you're fasting? Food! And when I've done it, I don't think about God a lot. I think about the food I'm not eating. I, I'm sure I've told this story, but um, in college, they had this thing with Oxfam where you could choose to not eat during the day and give up your meal plan points or whatever, and then the money that you didn't spend eating at the cafeteria would then go to Oxfam. Um, and I, trying to be a good supporter, I'm like, all right, you know, and uh, so I, I went without food all day. And of course, predictable, all I thought about was food. And I'm like, I can do this, I can do this. And then finally I broke down at about sunset, and I ordered a medium pizza and I ate the whole thing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, to be in college, when you could eat a medium pizza and still fit into those size 30 pants. Um, I, you know, but th that's what I did. I, I couldn't do it. Uh, fasting was not my spiritual exercise, you know. Because when you're fasting, you know, you're fasting, you're not eating. But you're watching everybody else who is, right? And I'm watching them all going into the cafeteria. And they're coming out so happy looking. And I'm driving through town, you, you drive by the KFC, you can smell the 27 or 32 or whatever magic herbs and spices. I don't remember how many there was. Do they even do that anymore? But you can, uh, what, what I'm also smelling is the salt and the fat. And you're like, oh, that chicken sounds so good. Oh, I want to eat that drumstick. And you're like, oh, some mashed potatoes with garlic would be so good right now. You know, and you're driving by and you're, and you're just thinking, oh, Man, I want that because all I had this morning was wheatgrass in a shake. What does it do when you fast and you see other people who aren't? Well, there's a couple reactions that can happen, and yet neither of them are great. One is you can become envious. The other is judgmental. Neither are great. You really wish at some level you weren't fasting, that you could have that chicken leg, you know? That, that, but, and, and while you're being all spiritual for giving it up, you still kind of fantasize about eating it and how great it would be. But at the same time, you're patting yourself on the back for being so strong-willed and having so much self-control, so much more self-control than those people who I see eating those drumsticks. And you pat yourself on the back for having so much more self-discipline than those people who clearly don't. Boy, I kind of wish I was those people eating that drumstick. So you're looking down on them at the same time that you wish you were them. Right? That's what fasting can do. It can make you judgy and repressed. It's why there's a lot of talk about fasting in the Bible, and that's why the prophets tend to be so negative about it, and they're always criticizing it. 
Let's look at what the prophet Isaiah says on fasting, right? This was, this was our reading this morning. He says, look, look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, the day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush? and to lie in sackcloth and ashes. Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? You might recognize this verse. It's what we read on Ash Wednesday, right? Is this the fast I choose, right? It goes on, verse 6. Is not this the fast I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thong of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? What happens when they fast is kind of interesting. What happens when they fast? It says they become ornery and it says they, they, they strike, what's the phrase? Strike with a wicked fist. So you got to picture all these rich landowner guys getting together and busy like punching each other out, you know? Instead of, maybe call it the fast club, right? What, what's the first rule of fast club? You don't talk about fast club, but the prophet will, right? And what do they do? They get armor and they take it out on their workers. And so they become horrible people who are very religious at the same time. Instead, what does Isaiah say you should give up? as a spiritual practice? Money, power, food, systems of injustice. God will be far more impressed with that than the roasted shawarma you don't eat. This, this sermon is going to make me like run right down to the... Because I mean, all I'm thinking about is food. Fasting is a spiritual tool for some. And I... And, 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 I don't discount that. I've met people who talk highly of it, how the practice helps them focus on God and their prayer life, and I don't in any way mean to discount that, right? I'll speak only for myself, that I find fasting to be an exercise in resisting temptation, uh, about testing your ability to resist things. It makes me think about God less and food more. It's why, in general, when I'm uh, teaching, I prefer to teach about like living with less, simple living, and teach less about deprivation. You know, healthy eating, simple living, finding joy in things like God and family and community and relationships. You know, so you fill your life with quality things that matter and that build you up, and and you focus on that, and so you're not as attached to things like material possessions and things that don't give you quality of life, like, you know, status and followers on Instagram, right? It's why I teach it's important to have a positive focus on the healthy things rather than a negative focus on the unhealthy things. For example, you know, right? You want, say you want to change up your eating, right? I'm eating too much, I got to get more healthy. Well, there's a couple ways you can go about it, right? One way is to say, okay, I'm going to change up my diet here. I'm going to eat more fruits, I'm going to have more vegetables, I'm going to make more oatmeal in the morning instead of a donut, I, you know, I'm going to get the peanuts and the nuts and the whole grains, you know the spiel, right? 
I'm going to focus so that I'm just changing what I'm eating to more healthy eating, right? Or what's the other way you can do it? You can just try to cut off the amount of food you eat so you're kind of a little bit hungry all the time. Right? Now I'm going to tell you, we all know which one's going to work better in the long run. The one where you're, where you're filled up on good stuff or the one where you're always a little bit hungry uh, on crap. I shouldn't say that. Junk food. <laughs> you know, the first focus will be more successful because it's not focused on what you can't have, but on what you can. It's focused on what you can do. Right? It's focused on how much you enjoy the exercise, not how much, you know, you didn't get done. Right? So your time isn't spent being envious or resentful of all the stuff you can't eat. And here's the other reason for that. If you think of your responsible and simple living like fasting, you can become like the guy in the parable Jesus is talking about today. Let's look at, let's look at Luke 18 again. This is a parable. Parable, right? This isn't a historical thing. See, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Wow, this prayer is, this prayer is really on a good track already. This is a you people prayer. Right? I thank you I'm not like other people. Thieves, rogues, adulterers, even like this tax collector. Like, is the guy right there in the room? I think he was. I think that's the point. I'm shaming him in my prayer. Wow, that's a great prayer. Shaming prayers. At least I didn't cheat on my taxes like Bill over there did. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. Right? And then he flips it, because that's what Jesus does with parables. He flips it. Let's go to the next one, verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off, so maybe he didn't hear him, I don't know, maybe he was far enough off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. The temple sits high up on, a, the, temple sits high up on the top of the mountain. So when he says you go down, everyone who goes home, you have to go down. Right? So he went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Right? This is what you saw, the same thing as you saw in Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus. Right? You got this well-off person, you know, thanking God that he's not like those people. Right? who don't do all the practices he does. So he's bragging in his prayer about how good he is. Hey God, look at all the things I do. And they are good things. I mean, the fasting is a good thing. The giving 10% is a good thing. It's the attitude that it created in him, right? And then, on the other hand, you have this tax collector, and he's taking responsibility for all he's done. He's taking responsibility for his harm. He's not thinking he's better than anyone. In his focus, the tax collector's focus, isn't on anybody else, if you notice that. It's just me and my, me taking accountability for my sins and what I've done. The other guy's making it all about him compared to everybody else. The fast is supposed to teach humility 
not how much better you are than those people who aren't as moral and don't show the same self-control as you. Self-deprivation, self-restraint, personal sacrifice, these are all things that can actually be quite good for you. They can lead to success in life. But the danger is they can also lead you down the path of becoming a self-righteous snob. If your humility is so much more humble than the other person's, then it's not really humility, right? What do they call it, a humble brag? Right? Well, I gave up more food than you did. Okay. You know, look, we live in a world today, and I've really thought about this. We live in a world today where bad choices are really easy to make. And I think they're way easier than they were in Jesus' time. Way easier, way easier to make. In fact, today, it's easier to make bad choices than good choices with your life. Our world is set up that way. You want to get too many empty calories? Go to any store, right? The junk food is cheaper. It's easier to get. Of course, it stores forever, right? It's way cheaper than the fruit. I was just driving, just driving home through New Mexico, right? One of the truck stops, you know, bag of chips, buck 65. Box of grapes, five bucks. Right? That's a way to encourage healthy eating. Let's make it really expensive to make the good choice and cheap to make the bad one. Right? I mean, you, you know, you, you, you know, you used to have to, you want to have a fair, you used to have to sneak around and people gossip about, I oh, just take out your phone. Right? Beep, 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 beep. Right? You can do all sorts of things on your phone. You can steal things with your phone. You can go on to, you know, download creepy stuff from 4chan and 8chan and whatever weird threads you want to follow. You can get into so much trouble. It is so easy to overindulge. I think it's almost too easy. You want to get too much cre bad credit, right? It used to be, my parents used to talk about how hard it was to get a credit card. Like back in the 70s, to get a credit card, they were like, man, you had to jump through flaming hoops and more flaming hoops, right? It was like getting a mortgage, you know? You had to prove you were worthy. By the time I got into college, or maybe it was just the 90s where credit was good, they, they'd show up in my box. In fact, I get a check. One day I open it up, there's a check, $5,000. Now, the, yeah, the interest is like 20% or something like that. But it was that easy. I could have just walked the check right down there, had five grand in cash right here. Not taking out too much credit took more effort than taking out too much credit, right? They made it so easy and got people into debt like crazy. You want drugs? Well, it was Tucson, you know, where they say like 60% of America's drugs hit our town. So, you know, I mean, but the, the whole point is that there's so many bad choices you can make so easily. It's almost like trying to make good choices is like dodging a landmine. And it takes work. It takes more work to be healthy than unhealthy. And so what I see is the people who make the sacrifices, who use the self-control, who give things up, who limit the calories and the junk food, and who limit the bad credit, and, and who, who save and invest and make the wise choices for the future gains, yes, you will be better off in the long run when you do all those things. But sometimes, instead of being thankful to God that you were blessed with parents and family who taught you good habits, who got you into a good school to get you the good job, to afford that fresh fruit that that other person can't get, 
get and who got you that chance for you to go to Trader Joe's and get your organic, locally sourced quinoa kale dish. Well, they have to try to see if they can afford that $5 cup of grapes for their kids. And, and instead of being grateful and saying, thank God that you gave me this, now what can I do to give back? They sit there and look down on the others. You're just selfish and irresponsible and impetuous and indulgent. You're morally weak. Thank God I'm not those people, the overeaters, the users, the hookup people. Thank God I'm not those people buying entertainment with credit cards instead of saving. Thank God I'm not those people getting sick from their junk food. Thank God I'm not those people. Only the names have changed. The attitude is the same. Meanwhile, the drug dealer's off in the corner. Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. Be merciful on me. Who do you think will go back down? Justified in God's sight. The point isn't that good decisions are bad and bad decisions are good and we shouldn't be responsible and make good decisions. It's that our fasting, our sacrifices, should make us more sympathetic, more compassionate, more loving towards our neighbor, not less. If your spiritual practice makes you judgmental, it's not working. If your personal responsibility makes you a bad neighbor who has contempt for the poor, then it's, you're not being very responsible towards your neighbor. Making good choices doesn't make you better than anybody else. It doesn't make you superior, and it doesn't free you from having to show compassion on people who, may, who don't make those choices. It should be, I got blessed, so I will love and give, not I got mine, screw you. But I hear that a lot. I wish I heard a lot more about loving and reaching out and serving and doing good because of the fasts we make. Because that is the fast. That is the fast that God desires. That is the fast that the prophet speaks of. That is Jesus' way. Amen. Amen.